Hello, welcome to the Kindness Chef podcast. I am your host, Harpal Dutt. Today's episode is called Sitting With. This is a longer, deeper conversation where I interview a different guest, where we create a recipe to nourish your mind, body and soul. Hi, welcome, Sakshi Bansal, to the Kindness Chef podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today as my guest. You're my first speaker to actually talk about kindness. So this podcast is all about kindness and the I to A to Z of kindness recipes. Um, but I haven't got to kindness until now. And um, I wanted to invite you because, you know, you are somebody who you don't just speak about kindness, but you, you, you actually do work, which is um, showing your kindness, which uh, you've been um, awarded the first UNESCO kindness leader in 2018 for establishing your project LEAP, a social service project. Um, so when I saw this about you on LinkedIn, and also we have, um, we have some, um, what would you say, uh, similarities with, I also created a program called LEAP uh, in the National Health Service. And then also we have this, uh, you've done a master's in work and organizational psychology, which uh, I have also done. So, you know, it's quite refreshing to see somebody in the field of uh, business or occupational psychology who's also interested in kindness. So that's how we connected. Um, and uh, I see that you head a team of 300 plus volunteers and you provide skills-based training. So, you know, that's why I've invited you here today. Um, and there's also a lot more that you do, Sakshi. So is there any, anything else you'd like to say to introduce yourself? Well, I, I think you've covered so much. So that's absolutely brilliant. But there is one mission that I'm involved in currently. Um, which I think is super important for me because it brings together psychology and social work. So two things that I do uh, with a lot of passion and that's um, inner development goals. So this is a new mission. Um, it's been created by researchers and change makers around the world. And the idea is that we can't reach such sustainable development goals by whenever we want to achieve if we don't work on ourselves. And the idea is so simple yet so brilliant that we need to work on ourselves and think about our qualities, our skills and upskilling each other if we ever want to save the planet. This is exactly what I started Project Leap with. So it's the same idea. It's the same thing I've been working towards. I just never had the branding of inner development goals. Um, so now I'm heading India, Africa and Australia, three very big and key regions uh, to look at how we can incorporate IDGs and, you know, academia um, in organizations and social work. And it's a challenge, but I think it is so important to use my degree and myself for something that is bigger than just you and me, right? And why, why is that important to you? Because not everybody wakes up in the morning to be interested in doing this kind of work. So what is it that drives you? That's a great question. I mean, for me, I think everybody should wake up with that feeling that you're getting up with something more than yourself and you're getting up with something that is purposeful, you know. Um, I do that because I have always found 
degrees, education, trainings to be quite limiting in nature. You know, when you when you do any training or when you do any uh, piece of research, you always start with a bit of scope. This is in scope and this is not. This is what I will provide to you and this is what we cannot do. And while that is great, you know, for a consumerist economy where you don't want to give away too much of yourself, I think it just shows the fear that we have of giving too much away of ourselves, too much time, too much research, too much energy. Um, but these projects require too much from you, you know. They require you to increase your bandwidth. They require you to uh, give more time, give more energy, give more thought into issues. And that's what I love about it. it it's so important for me to just give something more and more and more. Um, I don't say that for everything, but <laughs> especially for personal relationships, but I do say that for, for higher purpose if there's a need to give more and more. And do you think, is there a difference between India and your base now, I think in England and the UK? Is there a difference between um, how you see the world and to do with this? Um, perhaps it's to do with, um, I've been uh, studying cultural psychology as part of this outliers um, introduction to psychology, which is quite a new field. And they talk about, you know, the individualistic and collective cultural differences where maybe, you know, the UK and America, well, it's definitely more I focused and maybe India is a bit more about we. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's psychology 101. That's what we started our psychology training with mm -hmm. all those years. That there are these cultural differences, right? And India was always the we culture, you know, everybody is into each other's business and there is less boundaries and less privacy. Um, whereas here um, there are those differences in everyday relationships and, and people. I think massive cultural differences. Um, I have experienced on a personal level um, things that I learn about myself and things that I'm doing differently now. And even like four or five years later, there are there are concepts in me and values in me that just will never leave me. Um, you can call that my Indianness, and that's never going to go away. And there are things that I am slowly starting to understand and pick up uh, about the British culture. Um, most of it is about talking about the weather all the time. Uh, but when it comes to work and when it comes to issues that people are facing, I think it's the same, more or less. You know, There are some issues that are perhaps more amplified in India, some that are more amplified in the UK, but more or less everybody is suffering and everybody is going through similar issues. And most of them stem from similar um, problems as well, or similar causes as well, which is quite interesting. So um, what happened to you uh, when we had a conversation before? Um, I talked as well when I went to Delhi. And, you know, it's, um, I was involved in a project where um, I was volunteering um, with homeless people. And this is, you know, in your face compassion. And you said you saw, so you, I think you were studying and your teacher took you to somewhere in Delhi. And so you saw the situation of people perhaps different to yourself. And what did you feel? Did you feel empathy or was it compassion? 
what what happened did you have a change in yourself then about thinking about other people i think that's such a so for me that experience was very deep that even years later you know um i still think about it it is one of those feelings that i remember very closely in life you know i can close my eyes and and feel that i'm there all over again um i don't know what i felt and in hindsight it is more clearer that it was empathy or compassion i think that's the massive or that's the biggest difference between empathy and kindness is i think empathy is that emotion that you feel in the moment um that i i i understand i can put myself in your shoes right compassion as well um that i feel something towards you i'm not aloof i'm not um completely ignorant i think kindness is the next step of what do you do with it and the action you take from it uh and it's outward outward in the sense not that it's not towards you but outward in the sense it's an act you do it you show it um and i think at that point i felt empathy and compassion only and it's not enough um and i think a year later i showed kindness by starting project leap but also compassion is about alleviating suffering so i think you were showing perhaps both compassion and kindness because compassion is you know you see the suffering but you wanted to do something about it mm mm yeah perhaps i i have always thought about compassion as more of a feeling that i feel okay. compassionate compassionate um again i could be wrong and there are different people who experience compassion and understand it differently for me mm-hmm. it's always the feeling uh that i i want to do something and i mm-hmm. if i could i um and i think kindness is just taking that step and uh, so how you talk about kindness about action about doing something how do you define or describe this in the work that you do so do you mean how i define kindness in the yeah. work i do or well, your definition your a- description what is what is kindness how how you would it could be that you say it's a feeling it's words what how do you what does it mean to you like in words or pictures Yeah. I I think that's the big question isn't it is and and I mean happily it's on everybody's lips these days this question around what is kindness whereas when I was practicing kindness or when I became a kindness leader in 2018 nobody knew or thought yeah. about kindness right yeah. and, and nobody was talking about kindness which is which is quite, quite funny the revolution that has come about um I think for me one thing kindness is definitely an action it could be as simple as feeling kind towards yourself and and outspokenly saying i will not say bad words about myself i will not say negative things about myself it can be that you're kind to a dog to an animal that you find on the streets and you're helping them it that's kindness um or it could be that you go on start your charity and help thousands and thousands of people by teaching them so i think it it's varying degrees but that's the beauty that there is no this act of kindness was smaller than this one or bigger than this one 
it is just the act of it that is kindness the other thing that i think people don't recognize about kindness um or or confuse it with sometimes is it's not based out of selflessness it is not based in true altruism you know it is not that um organizations should be thinking about kindness and saying we will stop pollution completely we will never uh, make any money and only then they will become kinder organizations i think that's the concept that people struggle with is that it's not binary it ain't, it, it is a it, sorry it's a spectrum right so you can't say that kindness is different from a materialistic world kindness is involved in a materialistic world um so for example if there is a leader right and his outlook towards life has always been maximizing profit being the best version of themselves increasing productivity he's a celebrated leader you know for so long the world has celebrated such leaders and suddenly like that's not the kind of leader we want we want somebody who's more authentic vulnerable kind and so this what what will this leader look like right this leader will just be somebody who is still doing all the same things but thinking consciously about the processes the people um that are involved not only the people that he knows and sees every day but people that that he doesn't know and sees every day you know people that are directly indirectly impacted by his actions and that really begins with identifying your impact on the world um so for me i think that is the basis of the work i did is one understanding that there are people who will be impacted by my work that they have issues that are larger than me and larger than them and we need to recognize and accept them i cannot live in a world where i ignore their issues and ignore their suffering and just come up with solutions that i think work best i think that is also kindness is is involving people in that process and saying this is for you tell me more right um so i think that's how kindness was involved in my work and um which what other languages do you speak hindi or which language so what I is speak- the word what is the word for kindness in hindi and is it um uh, is there a, like exact like um translation of kindness or is there a different word what do you use in india you're testing me now you're testing me now <laughs> but what is what is kindness in hindi i think that's a good that's a very good um question i remember so the only word that i can think of is called daya which is uh-huh. uh giving yeah i think daya is taking mercy on someone or um or or being someone who is giving in nature you know if you are if you are a person who shows that uh, emotion a lot so i think that's the closest word i can think of i think there are deeper words in the hindi dictionary that don't have a translation in english so it's it's the other way around but if you test me on it i i won't be very good <laughs> okay so the word um, that is and- you know that is that is very sorry i was just saying like that is a very significant thing actually that i don't i wouldn't know the back translations because we studied in english our entire lives 
Hindi was almost optional. Most of my friends never even studied Hindi. And we grew up watching American TV and wanting to be like Britishers. But our own culture is so lost on us. But at the same time, like you'll see, I'm wearing like this Indian ornament and I'm very proud of the culture that I come from and the heritage. But even then, the language is lost on us sometimes. Like I won't understand a Hindi newspaper, but an English one I can read very easily. Um, so it's it's such a weird world. And I, I, I almost call myself a colonized psychologist sometimes. <laughs> but very significant. And so, I mean, I can relate a little bit to this feeling of, you know, I go to India, I'm not Indian. They don't even call me, I think, an NRI, non-resident Indian, which I don't think I can be because I wasn't born there. And and then in England, you know, I, I, I really don't like the question, where do I come from? Although I like to ask people that question. And when people ask me this, it's like, okay, um, I say England, but they want me to say India. And it's uh, and also this kind of struggle between, uh, you know, belonging. I don't really know where I belong. How, how do you feel? Do you have this, these feelings? Oh, I have always felt that way. Always. I think the only time I feel like I belong somewhere is when I'm traveling. And that is actually, I always say that travel is the only way I'm kind to myself. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why, but I think I feel that a lot, that there is a feeling of not belonging anywhere, that there is no home per se. Um, and for some time I thought home is where my career is, you know, where you can earn your money and, you know, have a purpose. But that's not true anymore. I think um, I just don't know where that is. But I know for a fact that I feel closest to home when I'm with strangers, you know, when I'm traveling and um, when I'm in a different city and seeing it with, you know, fresh eyes for the first time. Um, it's quite difficult to chase that feeling all the time. Um, so you have to you have to make peace with the fact that you won't feel that you belong all the time, which is um, which can be quite intense. Yeah. So do you think um, is that a reason why you're interested in doing this work on kindness, which is quite often around helping strangers? Nobody has ever asked me that. So I think that is very uh, a very deep question. Maybe, maybe I think. I think the feeling behind kindness, so I think it's what I said before, kindness doesn't come from altruism. It doesn't come from pure selflessness, if you may. I think it comes from a feeling of understanding just how powerful you are as a human being, not how much power you have over other people, but just how powerful you are and your actions are and your thoughts are. I think it's that feeling that produces kindness. It's the same feeling that can produce ego. And for me, when I travel, I realize when I meet those strangers, you know, when I talk to them, when conversations lead to great, you know, perceptions, when conversations lead to more diverse perspectives, is when I understand my power, my worth. You know, it tells me so much more about myself, about the world. Um, 
feeling vulnerable comes from travel, you know, be opening up to people who don't know you, um, looking to them at time of need, you know, at times of desperation. So I've had a lot of weird and wonderful and dangerous stories around my traveling. And every time, you know, it has been around the kindness of a stranger, you know, that came to the rescue or the kindness of a stranger to open up to me or, or mine. So I think that's where the feeling of kindness towards people comes from is understanding that I have a lot of power and I have a lot of impact. And um, how, so how kind are you to yourself? And you, how do you practice self-kindness? You said only when I travel. I, I've, I've been watching and observing a lot of people that do kindness or altruistic work. And I see sometimes there's a pattern maybe of not very good self-care. So how, what, what is it like for you? You know, you, you have a job, you're, you're doing so many things. 300 yeah. plus volunteers. Um, how kind are you to yourself? I'd like to think that I am ample kind. It's not to say that I am not the worst critic of myself uh, and the harshest motivator. Sometimes I have to yank myself back to reality as well and say, stop thinking about worst case scenario. But I don't think that comes from being unkind. I think that comes from being human. And it is important to distinguish between unkind behavior and inhuman behavior. It would be unhuman-like for me to say I never have bad thoughts and I never criticize myself. I think the kinder thing to do is to recognize that and then develop healthy patterns around it. So for example, working out for me is very important. That's how I am kind to myself. But equally, I there are months when I just don't feel like doing that and that's okay. And I just eat pizza and, and you know do that. And then again, I recognize that's not healthy and then I change the behavior. And that changing my behavior and taking the action is the act of kindness. But any thoughts that are associated with the human brain, I wouldn't necessarily say they, they make you unkind to yourself. They're just part of being human. Okay, I think that was a great answer. Um, <laughs> I used to, I, I think I used to think I was kind to myself, but I think I've discovered that I wasn't. So I think um, a lot of people have denial, but it seems like you have awareness of, you know, um the voices in your head and the way you talk to yourself not everybody is aware of those so sometimes they think that they are being kind but they're not or you're also noticing some not so kind behaviors like the pizza but then you stop so um yeah i think that this is a process actually it's not you know that we magically um have this magic way i think of being kind all the time i think it's like a pendulum that swings Yes, yes. Um, so um, I wanted to ask you to create a recipe for kindness. Mm. Mm. And you have, you have so much experience. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you for the ingredients, the method, and then the name of the recipe and some tips. So to begin, um, what do you think are some of the ingredients that are needed in your recipe? To be, Oof. I mean, for kindness. Self reflection. Uh huh. Self reflection. Lots of, 
healthy environment, whether that is your mind or your body or your physical space. And ability to recognize, I think, the act of recognition. What does that mean? I think that just, I, I think that just means recognizing differences in your thought patterns, differences mm -hmm. in your act, in your words, in your um, meetings with other people. So just recognizing the change. I think they make a very good breeding ground for kindness. And I don't think it necessarily has to be a good environment. Uh, I think it just has to be any environment and you can, you can create kindness out of it. Okay, so. Self-reflection and environment, whether it's mind, body or physical space and ability to recognize. Okay, and what's the method? So what are the steps? Oof. Let's do it the Sakshi way. <laughs> so is is uh, when she is really overworked and is thinking of new way of you know doing something. She'll start looking at tickets to Europe. <laughs> And she, she'll create that environment where she feels comfortable and safe, you know, that, that feeling of I'm going to travel and see a new city. Um, so I'll book those tickets because they're very, like that space becomes very inspiring, that breeding ground for me. And I go to Europe and I'm seeing a place for the first time. And I'll set aside like a time in the evening when I'm just looking at some like water bodies, maybe I'm around the beach, you know, just chilling, relaxing, sun, nice breeze. And I know that I will take out the notes app in my phone and I'll start penning down thoughts and recognizing how they have changed over the years or over the last couple of weeks, you know, and I'll recognize the words that I'm using then. So I'll reflect and I'll recognize that maybe I'm using too much change. What does that indicate, you know? And I'm using too, too many words like incompetent or lack of this and that, and, and I'll underline them. And then I'll recognize where they're coming from. I'll accept. And then the act of kindness will be to actually go in there right then and change that narrative and say, this is what I want it to be when I come out of this vacation or when I go back home, wherever home is. Um, and it's not to say that people should follow this recipe to the T. I can never, never follow a recipe, but it's the basic premise that you take yourself to a happy place, to, to a place where you can reflect, you know, maybe it's the shower, you don't have to go to Europe. Or maybe it's, you know, working out when you feel reflective, but just take yourself to that place. Um, find time to reflect and then have the courage to accept and change. And I think that's the recipe you'll get kindness out of it. Okay, so that's a great example of, you know, either go somewhere that's physically different to travel or go to the shower or go somewhere else and um, reflect. Mm -hmm. A way, you know, a different environment from your everyday is what you're suggesting. Correct. And uh, so you, your recipe, the method, it's quite analytical perhaps. So, you know, you've got your process of you have an application on your phone or someone could have a notebook, like a physical notebook, and you just write down 
however you're thinking in that moment without any judgment. Correct. And then you analyze it and you see, you know, what you want or you don't want. Yeah. And uh, you kind of leave it there in the vacation <laughs> and then you, you, you return slightly kinder. Is that what yeah. happens? I I think it's not that I become slightly kinder just by doing that. I think it's what comes next. So how do I change it? That makes it kindness. Otherwise, it just makes it reflection. Yeah, know? the action. Yeah, so it's taking the action that makes it then a kindness towards myself. And I think the the this is the thing with recipes, right? Like for the first, second, maybe 10th time, you have to keep looking at the recipe. And then by the 11th time, you know, and you don't necessarily have to open up the recipe or go to a different space. You can just, you can just make it in any kitchen. And I think that's, that's the thing with following this recipe over and over again is, is now the process is, is that quick. Is this process is when I am saying those things, when I'm thinking those things is immediately I change and I reflect and I accept and I do the action. So I think it's using this recipe over and over again until it becomes second nature. And I think those are the kind of people that for me exuberate true kindness. Uh, they are very assertive, not to say they're not business leaders. They are still profit-minded, not to say that you know they are not big uh, earning fact check fellows. And they are still people who are great leaders. You know, so it doesn't mean that this recipe will make you a softer human being who sits in the Himalayas and doesn't think of money. It is simply the fact that you you accept and have the courage to change unkind thoughts, behavior patterns, and then you take the action to change them. So I think this is it. So you keep doing this enough times. It just happens in a split second then. And what would you call this recipe? So what's the title or the name? Hmm. What should we call it? I think that, that's <laughs> such a question. Um, I think pizza is my favorite food, so it has to do <laughs> I think I think I'd call it bake your pizza and eat it as well. <laughs> okay, bake your pizza and eat it as well. Great name. <laughs> And um, do you have any tips that can do help I, people? I don't think I, I think I've shared as many tips as I could on what I do and people will take different things from it. But the only thing I would say is we need to stop confusing kindness with selflessness. And we need to stop thinking that kindness and all those things that we love in organizations like assertiveness and leadership don't go hand in hand. They definitely do. Okay, so um, as we've got a bit more time, um, I might ask you to, can you share me share a story about how they go together? Because, you know, um, I, I agree with you about, you know, uh, kindness. Actually, I don't think kindness is soft. I think it's quite hard. I think it's quite simple thing. The you know what is kindness is simple, but I think the action is not so easy. 
uh, and it's called like a soft skill. So how, you know, as your hat with your work and organizational psychology, and I think the other one is you do human humanitarian, is it psychology? Yeah. Um, so yeah, can you share any stories of, um, for people that, they haven't seen this kind of example of how you can be, say, assertive and kind in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you you brought up humanitarian psychology, which is which is great. So it's this field of psychology where you use psychology for social impact. And not only does it combine the two most important passions for me, I think it's such a great example of using your degree, your education, your skills for something greater than you and greater than, you know, just the general way that people use it for like organizational research, which is great. Um, within this field, there are certain leaders that I've had the privilege to meet. So uh, Professor Stuart Carr, he is the person who actually started the field a um, couple of years ago now, and he's in New Zealand. Now, I, I was talking to Stuart, uh, I was interviewing him for a conference that I was presenting at. And, um, and I started asking him about, you know, his career and what led him to like humanitarian psychology and whatnot. He is one of the most pioneering leaders that we have in the field today. You know, he teaches organizational psychology and humanitarian psychology. Um, he's a founder of Project Glow, which is a, pro a project for anti-poverty and equal wages. So, so big things in life. And at the same time, when you listen to his thoughts, you know, listen to why he started these things, they started from a feeling that I want to give back to the community. So he had a couple of years when nobody was hiring him. He was fresh, a graduate in the UK uh, from Scotland, and he got a teaching job in Malawi, in Africa. And he went with zero expectations, but the community gave him so much, you know, he got so much from the community, he got a lot of love, a lot of support, it was his first job, so, you know, obvious um, feelings uh, and, and learnings from there, and he said, since then, my whole life has been about giving back to the community, now, that doesn't mean that he stayed there forever, did not think about furthering his career, you know, he went on to do a master's, a PhD, that doesn't mean that he lost all sense of leadership. I mean, to this date, he is the founder of Project Glow, one of the co-founders. Project Glow is worldwide. So he, at any day, is handling so many leaders around the world, you know, talking to them about Project Glow. So it's not to say that he didn't become all of these things, but it's the fact that he had that feeling, that recognition that I want to give back to the community and I understand their issues, their concerns, and I want to do something about it. And then the act of launching Project Glow, right? And then doing that, and then going into the community and talking to these people, carrying that feeling with him throughout, you know, um, that he was able to recognize so much the feeling in himself, that he was able to ignite it in people who weren't there in Malawi with him, right? So I think that is, is like a kindness leader for me. He is a kindness leader for me. Is that feeling that was so powerful that he did something about it. And you could be, there could be like stewards around the world who are doing big projects like this, or there could be 
just as easily somebody who who saw something happening on the streets. Uh, I remember all these years back when I was volunteering that um, one of my friends lost his dog. And since then, anytime we went on the streets, he was so compassionate, so kind towards uh, you know, the stray animals that he would just bring them home, just take care of them uh, if they were wounded or anything and just set them free. So that doesn't mean that he didn't go on to become a great professor in his life. That just means that he was a kind person, right? And it's funny because a lot of times when I speak about kindness, people will question and say, oh, but, you know, like we have dreams and hopes and you know, we want to become the next CEO or we want to, um, you know, rule the world. I don't understand where that question is coming from because you can do both, you know. You can earn loads of money and still be a kind person. It doesn't take much. Well. And, um, like, do you, how do you think uh, workplaces could become a bit more kinder? Do you think this is about leadership or... Is it about people themselves doing something different? Um, it's, it's, it's very coincidental that you ask that question because I think in the next couple of months, I'm starting like a consultancy where we look at organizations and how can they become more kinder. Um, and although there are very various pieces to this organizational kindness, you know, there is resilience, authenticity, vulnerability, all of these different bits and bobs. Um, I think it starts from everybody upskilling themselves and recognizing their impact. I think that is the general feeling, a general sort of baseline that we need to start with. That everybody from the person who opens the doors to the organization, to the person who answers the phone call, right up to the person who is leading the organization, they all have an impact. I think it's harder to be kind to yourself and others when you don't feel impactful and when you don't feel worthy. It is only people who recognize that their actions have a lot of power that they are able to exuberate kindness or ego. It could go either way, right? And so I think that's the baseline. When I very practically started thinking about this kindness and organizations and you know how do we bring that change, I thought of working with the leaders first. And I thought of saying, the leadership has to be kinder to each other to, to logistics, to supply chain, to decision-making, to processes, to policies. So it's not just kindness towards humans, it's kindness in policies and research, in practices, you know, in how they talk about each other, in who they're talking about. And a lot of this, uh, again, comes back to vulnerability, authenticity, feeling that your actions have power and depth. Um, so I think it goes down to all levels, but very practically um, for people who are more practically minded, like, like I am, I'm starting with the leaders. Yeah, so I think um, it's a interesting environment of, you know, you get to the top, like everybody wants to get to the top and then the leaders, like, you know, most of them are not very good at working as a team. And perhaps this is to do with ego, 
So, um, and maybe they're not very vulnerable either. But um, I think helping them to become more in touch with their feelings and um, connecting with kindness and vulnerability can actually make them to become better leaders and human beings, which maybe Absol they've forgotten about. Absolutely. I mean, perhaps they have forgotten about it or perhaps it was never shown to them, right? That how can you be kind and a leader at the same time? How can you be kind and assert your dominance at the same time, right? How can you be kind, vulnerable, authentic, and inspirational? Um, I think that's the, it all comes back to that initial feeling that we might give away too much. There's a lot of fear that, that we are giving away too much of ourselves. Um, how will it be used? Will it be misused? And I think if you are talking about things like kindness and authenticity, these very deep core basic human values, then you have to agree to strip back all of these fears, you know, all of these extraneous variables. So it, it goes both ways. No trainer can train somebody successfully who is sitting there to just get the certificate. You know, so it's the same thing. As, as much as I want to go out to these leaders and work with them, I think that is the basis of working with them is you have to, you have to agree to stripping back. And um, I think you, you told me you like the, the leader who was from, is it PepsiCo, Pepsi from America? Yeah. Right. So you were very excited to read her book, and then I looked her up as well. So what's her name? Um, has the book. Yeah. Okay, so you you really kind of you see her as a bit of a role model, or what did you like I, about her? Or I wouldn't say role model. I don't think mm -hmm. that our stories will ever be similar, and I think there are aspects of her decision-making that I perhaps don't agree with, which, you know, just me being the cynical self comes out. I don't, in fact, think role models is a good concept. Mm -hmm. um, or at least it has never worked for me. But for me, the fact that she was able to merge two cultures, uh, she comes from India as well, uh, you know, stayed in America, and her book goes into what challenges you face, you know, and these merging of two cultures and two families and values and mindsets and friendships and relationships is, is very, very important. Um, I also like one thing about her that I have always done, um, you know, even before I knew who Indra Nui was, is studying beyond what I know. So I would never just study psychology. I would always go and study 3D printing or jet engines or lattice structure optimization, quantum entanglement, all those fancy words that you know people shy away from. Or I would study economics. And I know that people in different professions don't do that. You know, they are in economics, they are a specialized professor, or they're an expert, they will just do economics. They will seldom think about, okay, I should know a little bit of supply, I should know a little bit of tech, uh, you know, I should know a little bit of everything. And there is no harm in knowing a little bit of everything. I think it makes you a much uh, better conversationalist. Uh, it makes you a much better thinker as well. Um, and, and you can understand people from different perspectives. And for me, like that is very important. Uh, that is something that she does as well. 
it allows her to take those amazing decisions that changed PepsiCo. Um, so for me, it's, uh, it's always about that. So that sounds like you're describing empathy. Do you think she has a lot of empathy? Through this um, wanting to, I haven't read the book, but um, putting herself into other people's shoes in these different roles, not thinking I'm just the CEO and I don't need to know about that. She was perhaps going into the um, perspective, seeing things through their eyes. I think she she does have a lot of empathy. I mean, the woman wrote personalized letters to families of all her employees saying how proud she is of their work. And I think that is incredible in itself. It takes an enormous amount of empathy and compassion to do that. But um, I think just learning different things is, is, is a little bit beyond empathy as well. I think it's it's the fact that if you want to make a change, you cannot make a change being an outsider. And the feeling of outsider is very, very deep, especially in people who are immigrants. I'm a first generational immigrant, you know, my parents are still in India. So the feeling of outsider is, is a very common feeling for me. I constantly feel it. And when there are things that are in your control that you can change, so that you never feel like an outsider again. Like I never want to feel an outsider in a conversation about tech or I never want to feel like an outsider in a conversation about economics. And I have the power over my life to change that. I can study it, I can read it, I can ask questions about it. Then I will do everything in my power to do that. And I think it's, it's that simple. It's that feeling of self-preservation that I don't want to feel like an outsider. Yeah, so that's another kind of perhaps kind action that you've taken towards yourself. Like we've discussed about this thing about belonging and feeling different and you notice that. And you've decided this thing about feeling having the power. So now we have so much knowledge and information. So you're not afraid to yes. go into 3D printing and say psychology and and actually, perhaps this makes people a bit more well-rounded because, you know, yeah. we start to see different, if you just stay in psychology, like uh, occupational psychology, I found it quite boring after a while to see the same people, the same things. So I think it's uh, also quite useful if we can bring those skills to other fields. Exactly. And I, I say this in every podcast I go to, I say this in every, you know, conference I go to that the future is career crafting and the future is marrying two different parts of yourself, two different passions of yourself. And if you are afraid to read about something that is not your field, it is not going to serve you well. So if you want to craft your career, you want to merge different roles, you want to do different things, you need to start reading different things. You need to start learning different things, right? So I genuinely just take out time uh, every week and I just read about something. I have no idea what it is. Okay. And also there's research around, um, although we're talking about kindness, there's research around empathy increases through reading, like reading novels and like reading different information. So I think this is another practical action perhaps. And yes. um you're uh, like, how old are you? You're quite young. 
24. Okay, so, you know, you're 24 and you've achieved quite a lot, I think, a lot, <laughs> maybe more than some eight-year-olds. So your perspective is quite interesting for the listeners about, you know, career crafting and what other people can do if they want to create their own it's almost like what I did. I didn't see a job or role that existed, so I created my own. Exactly, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know you use LinkedIn quite a lot. Um, how how would you like people to connect with you on LinkedIn or some other platform? LinkedIn is brilliant. I'm definitely a LinkedIn nerd, so if you send me a message, I will probably check you out, and we will definitely have a conversation. So I'm always happy okay. to chat. Okay, thanks so much for your time, Sakshi. That was a very interesting conversation about kindness. I hope our listeners also like that as well. Um, and maybe you'll come again on another episode to talk more. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, your questions were brilliant. And honestly, some of them I'm going to think about for a long time. So thanks again. And yeah, hopefully people find the pizza recipe interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Great, thank you. Thank you for your time listening to the Kindness Chef podcast and sitting with us to learn more about ways you can serve kindness to yourself and others to nourish your mind, body and soul. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.kindnesschef.com where you can join a free community for this podcast where you can learn more about serving kindness to yourself and others. And also, if you're a female entrepreneur or leader who is ready to be part of an online community to master being kinder together, find out more information for a new program that's launching in January 2022. Thank you.